Welcome to the podcast for Westside at Jesus Church. We are a family of missionary disciples in West Portland who believe the church is not a religious subculture, but the making of a new humanity. It's not a building or a weekend activity, but a community of multi-ethnic, multi-generational men and women living out the light, love, and hope of Jesus to the world around us. We hope this episode encourages and empowers you to love, learn, and live the way of Jesus as we pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hey, Westside Church, how are you? You all right? Hey, um, let me begin by just saying, well done. Any follower of Jesus and any church community that has made it through 2020 and all that that was, you've made it out the other side, you're here in person, well done. And not only that, but you guys went through massive leadership transition. I'm so happy for where you landed with Pastor Tim McDonald and Brittany and the family, but uh, it sounds like some of you are too. I was hoping to hear something out of Duncan, but he left to go to the bathroom right at the moment. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. He's happy. Good. Which is a reminder, you're going to need a Bible. If you don't have one, would you put your hand in the air and one will be brought to you? And if you don't have a Bible at home, you can keep this as a gift, right? You guys still say that? Yes. Sweet. Said, said all the people that already have Bibles. Um, but again, uh, I am here today because I've reconnected with Tim and just, um, you know, there's been a longstanding connection with um, a Jesus youth. My kids have benefited from that. I have so much gratitude. Um, Bridgetown's going to camp with you guys. There's been strong connection through um, music here and we've partnered with Alpha, but it seems to me that there's a new season with Tim and we have a new lead pastor at Bridgetown as well, that a new season of our lead pastors and our elders um, working together. And part of me standing here today is just even uh, a small gesture of that. It feels really honoring to be back in here. As I, as I talked to Tim about this next season, um, I did say that I felt pretty good and he should too, that we outlasted the Comers. <laughs> is that okay to say? <laughs> it felt pretty good. I have so much gratitude. And even just as I was um, standing over here, worshiping with you guys, I just was thinking of all the churches that have come out of this church. This is, there's truly, uh, uh, in the spirit, you guys have given birth to so many churches, not only Sunset and Bridgetown here in town, but um, countless others in the state, um, in Washington, and even beyond. So what a legacy. Would you agree, family? There's quite a legacy of faithfulness and, uh, and even I've sensed as I've been here this morning, there's a legacy of hunger, of hunger for God. And that's um, beautiful. You know, a few years ago, seven years ago, myself, John Mark at Bridgetown Elders came to a moment where we said, it's time to finally integrate our theology of the Holy Spirit with our practice of the things that the Spirit does. So we went on this journey of asking God, what does that look like? How can we kind of combine what we believe from the scriptures and maybe even a little bit of our own experience to be true about the Holy Spirit? How can we um, combine that with even our Sunday gatherings and what we do as we gather in, on Sundays, in youth group, in communities, and all that kind of stuff? We started that quest seven years ago. And really at the heart of that journey, for me, was the question, 
God, is there more? And I don't know about you, but if there's more to experiencing life with God than just sermons and songs, then I want that. And if there's more to this, this idea of intimacy with God, the John 15 kind of like abiding life in Christ, the, the knowing and experiencing the love of God through the Holy Spirit, if there is more, then I want that. And if we look at our city, it's obvious that people in our city are looking for more. People in our city are looking for transcendent encounters. Look, there would not be a weed shop on every corner if there were not a lot of customers. And the reason I think there's a lot of customers is because people in our cities outside the church context are looking for more. That's why there's a hookup culture with Tinder and other apps like that that are designed around sexual encounter. That's why online shopping has not lost speed but only increased in momentum. We wanna travel more, we wanna experience more, we wanna see more, but what if the satisfaction that we're really looking for in our souls is to encounter the love of God through the Holy Spirit? And then for us in the church, what if there's more to the Christian life? And that question brings us to um, really the series that you guys are in the middle of, Receive the Holy Spirit, and today's topic, the gift of the Holy Spirit. So with that in mind, would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to buzz through a few key spots, touch on them in 12, 13, and 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, verse three, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one is the same God at work. Now, To each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then Paul's going to list these out. So so here we go. Verse 8. To one there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of languages. And still to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now, Paul is writing to followers of Jesus in the first century city of Corinth, and Corinth was a prominent city in its day. Because of its location, it was strategic both militarily and commercially. And Corinth was a capital city. It was a prosperous city. It was also a city known for its immorality. But on one of Paul's missionary journeys, he preached the news of Jesus. A new church was born and now it's flourishing. And Paul is hearing about problems there. And so he's gonna address them in this letter. Some of the things he addresses are sexual immorality that was being tolerated in the church. 
There was confusion about marriage, what marriage was, what the place of marriage was. Believers were taking one another's to court and it was hotly debated what was women's roles in the church. Now, none of this is relevant to our churches today, is it? <laughs> and in this passage, he's gonna speak to confusion around stuff that the spirit does. You may have heard this before, but in the church in Corinth, they were elevating things that the spirit was doing through them, like speaking in tongues and making that the most important thing. There was competition between one person who spoke in tongues and one person who didn't, and it was going totally nuts. So Paul is writing them. And what he begins, look back at verse, chapter 12, verse one. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. And basically, that's where I was for a long time in my journey as a follower of Jesus in relationship to the Holy Spirit. If you grew up like me, I grew up in a context called cessationism where um, the belief and the teaching was that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for today. They for a specific apostolic period, and then I don't know when exactly what the day was, but they stopped. That's what I grew up hearing. I was about things of the Spirit, like the church in Corinth, I was uninformed. You may relate to that as well. Now, the first thing that I wanna tackle is a bit technical, but stick with me here. In your NIV, English translation, where it's translated spiritual gifts or gifts of the Spirit, I think that creates a, a misunderstanding and many theologians would agree with me. Most of you have probably heard that a gift of the spirit, a spiritual gift is an ability that you receive when you become a follower of Jesus. You have at least one, there's an online uh, test you can take to figure out which one you have. Maybe some of you have two. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you that Gifts of the Spirit is actually not a good translation of the original Greek here. The word is one word, pneumatikos. Can you say that? Pneumatikos. It's an adjective without a noun and literally translated, pneumatikos means spirituals. The word gift actually is not in the original language. It's added by translators and I think unhelpful. And so the best way to think of this word, pneumatikos, spirituals is this idea of what the spirit does. Now, what we see here in 1 Corinthians 12 is a list of all the things that the spirit does. Prophecy, tongues, miracles, those are all things that the spirit does. Verse seven says, these are manifestations of the spirit. In other words, when the spirit is present working through you, this is what it looks like. So why does this matter? Why am I going after right out the gate with this uh, you know, mistranslation of gifts of the Spirit? Why is that so important? And here's why, listen up. All of the stuff that the Spirit does is available to any and every follower of Jesus today. In other words, in the spiritual gift paradigm, you only get one, maybe two. One, one person gets healing, and we're like, oh, that's amazing. And then you get like serving, and you're like, really, Lord? You know, one person gets teaching, and the other person gets set up and tear down. But the reality is, some of you guys are like, that's, that was me. I'm like, okay, hold on. The reality is this. If you are a follower of Jesus, you can do any of these things as he determines. So don't think of it in terms of which one do I have. Instead, 
Scripture is saying, you should be asking, which one of these things does Jesus want to do through me today? So we're not like Christian superheroes that are given, you know, one has this power, the other has that power, we need to assemble to have all our powers. That's not it at all. Although, that does sound fun. You, you are more like a FedEx delivery person. I know it's not as cool, but just follow the example. God gives you a different manifestation, a work of the spirit to deliver at different times. And the reality is you can deliver any of them. Therefore, this means that you, little old you, can pray for anyone for anything at any time. Anyone can pray for healing. Maybe God wants to deliver healing through you. Anyone can get a word of knowledge or a prophetic word. God can speak through you. Everyone has access to all of the spirit. Does that make sense? John Wimber, the founder of the Vineyard Church, used to say, everyone gets to play. It's not just the super gifted, the super spiritual, those in some kind of religious position of authority. Everyone can hear from God and do the works of the Spirit. And this is exactly what Moses prayed for in Numbers 11. When Moses, who was very intimate, God's friend would interact with God face to face. Well, actually, he got to see the backside of God, but that's a whole other story. In Numbers chapter 11, Moses prayed his desire as he thought about Israel was this. Oh, that all God's people would prophesy. Moses' heart was, he knew it would bottleneck if it was just him or just him and the elders. His heart and his desire was for all God's people to hear from God and to prophesy. And then that's why in Acts chapter two at Pentecost, when the spirit of God comes, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks out over the crowd and quotes Joel two saying, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So again, back to our text today, look at verse 11, this sums it up perfectly. All of these things, the whole list of all the things the spirit does, all of these are the work of the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now. My wife and I and a bunch of our team were at a conference recently and we were there and we went to a breakout workshop, you know, with a room probably about this big, you know, maybe 100 or 150 people on how to hear and give a prophetic word. And as we were there, the leader was demonstrating and then he had different people come up and people would say, okay, I think God might be saying this. And one of the guys got up and he said, I think I have a word and the name that comes to mind that I'm supposed to share this with is for Simon. Is there a Simon in the room? And there wasn't, but my wife, stood up and was like, hey, my son's name is Simon. And he's like, that will work. And so he, he shared this prophetic word. It was really cool. It was encouraging to us about our son. And then, you know, as I'm sitting in my seat, this woman who's about my age, middle-aged mom, um, hands me this little paper. She had written it down, handwritten, and she gave it to me. And it said Simon, and then it had this cool image that she saw for him. And she handed it to me on this actual slip of paper. When I got that and I read it, it was so encouraging. It felt like exactly what I needed to hear about my son. And even just a couple days ago, I went on a walk with my son. They pulled out the very piece of paper and I was like, hey man, I forgot to share this with you from a few months ago, but this was from some woman that I don't even know about you. And I shared it with him. 
Now, here's the thing. That woman was not a pastor. She was not some kind of spiritual authority. She was a middle-aged mom. And she had an impression in her mind, wrote it down, handed it to me, and I'm carrying it in my Bible because it was so significant and encouraging to me about my son and his destiny. And I just share that to say, anyone can do that. I mean, have you ever had someone come to mind? Like I see my friend Dave Scriven here and I can tell you honestly, there have been multiple times in my life when I've thought of you, Dave, and my heart is flooded with gratitude for your ministry, your legacy, your actual life, the way you live your life has encouraged me and I know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other men and women. So have you ever had that happen where you think of someone and then you, you're, you're encouraging, you're like, oh man, I'm thankful for that person and how they're living their life. Maybe I should send them a text. Maybe I should give them a call. You know, maybe you should send them a gift card to their favorite restaurant. I don't know. I'll give you my address. But the, but, but the thank you. But the point is, anyone can do this. You know, the other day, a friend of mine, uh, Brian, who's new to the Portland area and he's new to our church at Bridgetown and he's been praying for people in kind of some new ways. And he said, dude, I've got to tell you, this is crazy. The past four, I prayed for four people, probably in my life, four people to be healed or to have pain go away out of their body. And all four of them, something happened. And the something was actually good. You know, he didn't pray and it got worse. He like prayed and something happened and it got better. And, uh, and he said, and it's weird because I don't consider myself like this person of faith. But what was that? That was a person like this woman that handed me the note for my son who was open to God, stepped out, prayed, and things happened. So the question I have for you this morning, Westside, is are you open? Are you open to the Spirit of God and are you willing to step out and ask for the Holy Spirit to use you? Let's pick up in verse 12. You guys with me? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. We okay? We good? Okay. Paul continues on and he says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given this, this one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So again, look up for a sec. Remember the context. The spirit is doing all kinds of things in the community in Corinth, but they're competing against one another. They're dividing over who can do this and who can do that. Their gatherings when they come together are mayhem. And so Paul goes right into this with this powerful illustration of the human body to explain how things work in the spirit. Basically what he's saying is, the church is Christ's body of which every believer in the entire world is part of that. All are incorporated into this one body, meaning all are needed, all are necessary. You may be brand new to Jesus here today, we need you. Westside needs you. You may be brand new to all the stuff the Spirit does and you're not sure. You grew up like me where you heard that speaking in tongues was like not of God or whatever. You might be brand new and you're like, I don't even know about this. Let me just say something, we need you. This church needs you, this city needs you. In other spheres of your life, in work, in your family, 
Perhaps if you're a student in your school, you may not feel needed. Has anybody been on a sports team where clearly they didn't need you? (laughs) You were on the bench and they were winning games and you're like, wow, I guess we're all winning, but my (laughs) contribution is watching you win, you know, kind of thing. Anybody felt like that? This might be my own trauma of childhood coming up. (laughs) But unlike that, In the church of Jesus Christ, we are all different body parts and we are all essential to what God is doing. And if I could just speak directly to you, Westside Church, in the next season of what God is doing here with new leadership emerging from COVID, some new vision, now more than ever, this church needs you fully activated and filled with the Holy Spirit to do your part. You are necessary, you are part of the body, you have a part to play. And and if we press into this just a little bit deeper and maybe a little bit more personally, think about it first in the realm of the natural. If your physical body has a disease and is attacking itself, it's called an autoimmune disease. But in the same way, any fracture here, any relational discord, any lack of forgiveness, Gossip or jealousy in the body of Christ is also a disease that cannot be ignored. So I just wanna speak really openly to you and just say, if you have been hurt by anyone in this church, whether they're here or whether they've moved on, you need to seek healing. Time doesn't heal. We are hurt in relationships, but we're also healed in relationships. So the next best step for you, maybe to go to someone you trust and say, man, I'm still angry at this person. I'm hurt. I keep finding all this negative rumination coming up every time I think about this person. You need to bring that to Jesus, maybe even to begin releasing forgiveness today. But don't wait. Seek unity. We are one body. Forgive, reconcile. We're called to unity under one Lord and one spirit. And listen, I have learned in my own life personally that there is one main thing that blocks me from hearing God's voice clearly, and it's unforgiveness. I mean, think about how seriously Jesus says, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. That's serious. And I think what he's getting at is, for me to be open, to hear from God, to be used from God, I need to first get in alignment with God, particularly in forgiveness. And I think it works two ways. One, ask yourself, is there anything that you don't believe that you've been forgiven of? Is there anything vertically that you need to bring to God? And then secondly, on the horizontal, is there anyone that you need to forgive? And remember our paradigm, and I, can, I know the leaders here, the paradigm for forgiveness in this house isn't one and done. Forgiveness is an ongoing thing. Some of us need to forgive, and then it comes back up, and then you forgive, and you forgive, and you forgive, and it gets easier over time, but it might be a lot of forgiving. And Paul calls all of this the most excellent way He calls this the way of love. Turn back down to the text again. We're looking at verse, or excuse me, chapter 13. And Paul, in the midst of all of this, talking about getting, you know, the the things that the Spirit has created, you know, a disunity. Paul's calling them back to unity. And then he's building off of that 
to this final point. He says, and I will show you the most excellent way. So be unified, forgive, be one body. And then when you are, let me show you the highest way, the most excellent way. Chapter 13, verse one, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but if I do not have love, I am nothing. If, my, if I uh, give all I possess to the poor and even give my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Verse four, love is patient, love is kind. And imagine this, Paul's saying this, it's not even a wedding. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. Listen, I want you to hear this, Westside. In Paul's flow of argument, He's at a point now where he's saying, look, tongues, that's incredible. Words of knowledge, incredible. Healing and miraculous signs, yes, that's great. But the greatest work that the Holy Spirit will ever do through us is none of that, it's love. The most impressive, more than a miraculous healing is our ability to love one another, to forgive those that have wounded us. Listen. A reconciliation between a husband and wife that were separated and on their way to divorce is the greatest miracle we will ever see. Love. Paul calls this the most excellent way. Oxford scholar Michael Green says it like this. The ancient world knew about philea, which is the Greek word for friendship love, and he knew about eros, passionate love, but he did not know anything about the love which is determined not by the worthiness of the recipient, but by the goodness of the donor. The love which seeks the good of all people, irrespective of their merits and personal attraction. The world had to wait for Jesus Christ before it saw that kind of love. This love, which can never be worked up by human effort, is the supreme gift of the Holy Spirit to his people. As the scripture says, God's own love is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. This is the greatest miracle that the Spirit of God does. And I submit to you that as we draw closer and closer and wanna know God better and wanna know the Holy Spirit better, we will know his love better. So the question is, where are you in the journey of becoming more of a person of love? When we encounter the Spirit, we become more loving, but would the closest, would those closest to you, as they're watching your journey, perhaps in this last year, in this last season, would they say that you are becoming more and more a person of love? The whole spiritual life could be summed up in moving from a place of fear, which includes anxiety, to a place of love, marked by peace. Where would you say you're at on that journey? Two things I found to be true. If you pursue the Holy Spirit as a community over a sustained period of time, God will draw you into greater holiness and love. 
Make your aim pursuing the Holy Spirit in love. You know, the great um, pastor and theologian John Wesley in the 17th century said this, another ground of these in a thousand mistakes is the not considering deeply that love is the highest gift of God. Humble, gentle, patient love. That all visions, revelations, manifestations, whatever, are of little compared to love. And that of all the gifts mentioned above are either the same with it or infinitely inferior to it. It were well, I love this English, it were well you should be sensible of this. The heaven of heavens is love. There is nothing higher in religion. There is in effect nothing else. If you look for anything but more love, you are looking wide of the mark. You are getting out of the royal way. And when you are asking others, have you received this blessing or received that? If you mean anything but more love, you mean wrong. You are leading them out of the way and putting them on a false scent. Settle in your heart that you are to aim at nothing more but more of the love described in the 13th of Corinthians. You can go no higher than this until you are carried to Abraham's bosom. So Westside, do you want more of this love? When we say, come Holy Spirit, and we open ourselves up, that's what we're asking for, more love. And finally, let me end with this. Paul transitions from love to chapter 14, and he says, chapter 14, verse one, follow the way of love and desire more of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks by a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries to God. But the one who prophesies speak to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Now, look up for a second. New Testament prophecy that Paul's speaking about right here are encouraging thoughts in our mind that we speak to one another. Their origin is in God, but the delivery is through us, kind of like the UPS delivery person, right? Old Testament prophecy was oftentimes forthtelling about future events and future judgments. New Testament prophecy can be defined, look back at the text, by this. If you're like, yeah, what is a prophetic word? How are they, what are they supposed to be like? Here is baseline definition for us. 14 verse three. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So the question you have to ask is, do you have an impression? Do you have a word? Do you have something to share with someone else? How you screen, is this for God, for this person is, could it be encouraging to them? Could it be strengthening to them? Or could it be comforting to them? If you're not sure, then wait. If it's clearly not, then scrap it. This is our guide. When we talk about a prophetic word, when we do prayer ministry in a little while, this is what we base it on. Now, a couple helpful principles, and we're gonna land on this. I wanna just, in just a moment, give you a couple kind of guardrails for what Paul calls prophecy and which he elevates. It's almost like he's building this block and he's got love as the most excellent way. And he's saying, walk in love. And if you're gonna do anything by the Holy Spirit, share prophecy. And here's some guidelines for that. Number one, if you're taking notes, write these down. If you're not taking notes, write these down. Number one, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. God is pleased by faith. 
The way that we're to operate in the Holy Spirit, praying for one another, praying for the miraculous, giving a word, or simply sharing your faith at Starbucks is 100% by faith, and that looks like risk every single time. Has anybody ever tried to share their faith with someone else? Has anybody ever tried to pray for someone when you're like, I don't know why, but I feel like I'm supposed to ask you if I could pray for you? That is risk every single time. But here's the thing. God loves faith. And if you don't step outside your comfort zone, you will never grow. If you don't step outside your comfort zone, even in things of the spirit, you will never get beyond the river Jordan into the land that he's leading you. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Number two, R-I-S-K. Number two, uh, second principle. If you are offering a prophetic word, an encouraging word, and you get it wrong, nobody dies. Be encouraged. I was on a Zoom call with another pastor and he's like, yeah, we're learning about the the Holy Spirit. And and we were talking back and forth about that on the Zoom calls. And at the end, he's like, hey man, I just got to share this with you. I'm new at this stuff. But as I was praying about you, this image came to mind. Does it mean anything to you? And he said, the image that came to mind, and I'm not making this up, was a yellow bicycle. Does that mean anything to you? And I wanted so bad for it to mean something (laughs) to me to encourage him And it did not. And I said, well, man, I used to have a yellow Volkswagen bug. And I think at one point I had a yellow surfboard, but no, man, it doesn't. But here's the thing. He was like, okay, well, I just had to do it. I was like, great, nobody died. And here's the thing. Later, as I was reflecting on it, I was actually encouraged. This guy risked in faith a major moment of embarrassment. And that challenged me. Gerald, do you risk like that? If we get it wrong, nobody dies. Third, offer a prophetic word humbly. We never say, thus says the Lord, and change our voice when we say it, you know? (laughs) We don't do that. Instead, we say, hey, I had this sense, I had this impression, I saw this word, I think God might be maybe saying this to you. We offer it humbly. And then lastly, as I said earlier, prophetic words should always be encouraging and done in love. So before you share anything, you ask yourself, Could this possibly be encouraging? And if so, move forward. Remember, everything that Jesus does is is done in love. There's only one way that Jesus works. It's in love. So that's our posture. Now, what we wanna do to end our time uh, this morning is I've talked a lot about theology with just a little bit of practical application, but I wanna move into a model that we're gonna demonstrate. I've got a bunch of our Bridgetown prayer team here. So thankful for them being here. And and we're gonna create a moment for what we call response prayer. And we wanna model with you a way to open up space for the Holy Spirit through encounter. So um, what we're gonna do in just a minute is, um, and why don't you go ahead and stand up now. We're gonna stand up. We'll have the band come up. And what we're gonna do in just a minute is I'm gonna ask you in the room If you have a sense that God is speaking to you today, I'm gonna ask you to respond to God's invitation by coming forward for prayer. And the reason why we're gonna do prayer in the front, and this is what we do, we've been doing every week at Bridgetown, the reason why we do it in the front is two two reasons. Number one, we believe that encountering God and responding in prayer is central. So we wanna do it in the center of the room in the gathering. And number two, 
by um, giving an opportunity for people to be prayed for in the front, it normalizes it, right? If you're new here and you're like, what, 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 what happens when you go get prayed for? What do they do? Well, you will not have to wonder because they'll be doing it right here in front of you. And it just normalizes. It's normal to come forward. It's normal for someone to come pray for you. So our, our posture for doing this is feet on the ground, planted with hands out in front of us. This is an ancient posture of prayer. So in a minute, if God's speaking to you and you sense there's an invitation, I'm gonna have you come forward, stand here in the front, feet planted, hands out in this posture of receiving. And, and there's something beautiful about palms up, open hands, it's a sign of being open to God. So, so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna um, pray and welcome the Holy Spirit, and then we're just gonna wait. And as we wait, um, we're gonna keep in our minds and in our hearts, welcoming the Spirit of God and whatever He wants to say for us. And then I'm gonna share a few things that I sense as I've been praying and been with you guys today. I sense some invitations in the room for some people. And if this resonates with you, you're like, wow, I think that is for me today. The way that I wanna encourage you to say yes to God and yes to that invitation in your heart is by coming forward for prayer. And simply what you're saying is you're saying, I think God's inviting me into something. I don't wanna rush off to lunch and forget about it. I wanna mark this moment. And sometimes even saying yes in a moment like this is the first and maybe the easiest yes in a sequence of obedient steps. Does that make sense? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna just, if you're comfortable, we're gonna open up our hands in this posture of prayer and we're gonna say, I'm gonna pray for us. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. And as you're just waiting in this posture, we're gonna wait here for a minute, even in the silence. God, we want what you're doing in the room. Not hype, not emotion, not manipulation. We want you. So Spirit of God, what are you doing? What are you saying to me? If you find yourself being distracted by other thoughts, just bring them back with that simple prayer. Come Holy Spirit. The Lord is here. We honor your presence. Come, Holy Spirit. You know, one of the things that I think God is doing in your community, Westside, is he's stirring up hunger. Some of it comes out of desperation from this past year, from this transition. And so the first group of people that I wanna speak to and we'll just wait but in a minute, I'm gonna invite you forward. But the first group of people I wanna to speak to is those that are hungry for more of the Holy Spirit. And I, as I was beginning and I was talking about, do you want more? Do you feel like there might be more to your relationship with God, more to knowing the love of God? If God is stirring up that hunger in you, it may be for the first time, or you may be even in a season where you are hungry and you're desiring God. I picture someone that used to listen to the radio and used to listen to 
random music that now only wants to listen to worship music in their car because they're just hungry to encounter God. If that is you in a moment, we wanna invite you forward to bless what God is doing in you. So if that's you, just hold on to that for a minute. And then secondly, as I've been praying for you, Westside, I just can only imagine that there are many here that um, there's been pain and hurt. When I talked about disunity in the body, when I talked about unforgiveness, God even brought to mind a specific person that you need to forgive again. Yes, you've probably forgiven them before. For some, it might be fresh, but I think for most, it's like, yes, I need to release them again. If God's speaking to you about forgiveness, in a minute, I'm gonna invite you forward. And as you come forward with your hands postured, palms up, it's just another releasing of that person and trusting them to God, releasing them in forgiveness. And then finally, this last one is uh, very tender for me, but I feel like I need to risk and step into this. But um, as I saw the beaches here in the front, a family that I've known for a long time, um, and I know their son, I've known him for a long time, I just immediately felt the heart of the father over sons, over prodigals. So I specifically think there's an invitation for mothers that are praying for sons. And this is my own story. I was rebellious, partying, turning from God. And it was because of the prayer of my mother at 17, I gave my life back to Jesus. And I just believe that there's others that your heart breaks for prodigals. And I believe that there's something that God wants to do around that as we come in unity together and ask for God. So if that's you, I wanna invite you forward as well. So now what we're gonna do is if any of that resonated with you, um, I'm gonna ask you right now to make your way forward and come stand in the front. So if you're hungry for more of the spirit, would you come? If you need to release someone in forgiveness, would you come? And finally, if you have a prodigal in your life, if you're a mother of a prodigal, would you come as well? And we're gonna have you come all the way forward. Just take a couple more steps forward. Beautiful. There's been so much hunger in the room today. It's just beautiful. So would you make your way all the way forward? You can still make your way down here. And then we're gonna have our prayer team come. If you're from Bridgetown and you're here, Jillian, Miriam, friends, everybody, we're gonna have you guys come forward now as prayer team. And this is our chance to just bless Westside Church. You are our parents. You've sent us out. And now as children, we get to come back and we wanna bless you. So we're gonna put a hand on your shoulder and uh, we're gonna bless what God's doing. And the laying of hands is biblical. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna ask right now that the, the flame that's in you, that God, as we pray and in, and and enter into what God's doing in you, that he would grow that flame in you. So Holy Spirit, would you come even now over every man and woman and child here, God, would you come? God, would you release as our prayer team is praying, would you release insight, prophetic words, words of life and encouragement, God, words of destiny. We just believe that God, you're here in this space there's no hurry, so we're just gonna wait. So prayer team, just begin blessing those that are here and then we'll just wait 
and ask for God to speak. Maybe a word, an image. Come, Holy Spirit. So we're gonna worship. Everybody else in the room, you can continue to worship from your seat, encounter God where you are, and we're gonna just um, enjoy this moment as we worship together and enjoy the ministry of the Holy Spirit.